Hey guys, and welcome. I'm Life Coach Meg Ellis. It's time for you to stop coasting through life, and it's time for you to find your purpose. It's time for you to create your fate. Hey y'all, we got a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to just hop right into it. Today, I'm going to be dissecting a common theme that I see all the time when I coach clients, imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome, it's got a little bit of a buzz around it. You know, it's been a little buzzword for a while now. And I think it's really great to bring awareness to these common insecurities that we all have. Because even the fact of knowing that you're not alone is somehow comforting in itself, right? And if you're not familiar, imposter syndrome is basically believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. And that can put a lot of added and unnecessary, most importantly, pressure and stress into your life. And I have a wide variety of clients, but I primarily coach business owners, team leaders, people searching for new jobs, high-level managers, and tons of entrepreneurs. And it's so interesting to me to work with such a diverse group of people with different levels of experience. And something to note, too, is this you know, brand new business owners or brand new managers. Sure. I would expect someone who's you know new to the game, doesn't know all the tricks of the trade yet to feel a little bit insecure when you're starting your new venture. But what I've come to discover when coaching business owners who have even been in their same industry for 10, 20, even 30 years, even those people still struggle with imposter syndrome. We all have it. So if you are out there feeling insecure and thinking that you are the only one who feels this way, know this. Nobody feels like they know what they're doing. Really, nobody. I run a monthly coaching call with people. Any of my clients are welcome to hop on this this monthly call. And we just chat about a different topic. And one of the things that comes up from time to time is a topic that might have, you know, some taboo or some stigmas around it. But really the point is that everybody gets on the call and you end up figuring out that, hey, you're not alone. It's a safe space for people to expand on these topics that really aren't openly talked about much. But it's, it's so interesting because the biggest, I think, benefit from this call is really just knowing that you are not alone. It's oddly comforting, right? So today I do want you to walk away knowing that If you are overcoming imposter syndrome, just know you are 1000% not alone. And I want you to walk away from today's episode knowing some root causes of imposter syndrome and of course, some solutions to overcome it. Because once you can identify that root cause of where your imposter syndrome comes from, then you can begin to focus on this and spend more time on, hey, where does this come from versus just slapping a Band-Aid on a bullet hole, masking anxiety from one day to the next. It's, we're getting sick of that. We don't want to do that anymore. So you can take these solutions and dedicate time to yourself, dedicate time to your healing. And it takes time. And I say this all the time, but direction is more important than speed. So Today, you can start to head in that direction of feeling competent, feeling confident, and like you are enough. Say it out loud. I am enough. So let's dive right in. 
Imposter syndrome. So believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. You live in this fear that the real you is going to be exposed and that everybody is going to find out that you are a fraud. This can be tied to your intelligence, to your achievements, but ultimately it does come down to perfectionism, which I'm going to do a whole deep dive into that in a bit. But like I said, if you feel this way, you are not alone. Researchers actually believe that up to 70% of people have suffered from it at some point in their lives, and it's actually very common in women, especially in professional settings. And a lot of times, if you are the only one in a setting who looks like you or sounds like you, then yeah, of course, it's human instinct to maybe feel as though, hey, I don't really fit in here. And you can feel that added pressure that you have to represent your your entire group if you're the only one. But I want you to just be open to not mistaking that pressure for personal self-doubt. That's the first step here. So you might be thinking, hey, you know, yeah, this sounds familiar. I, I might be struggling with imposter syndrome. So let me break this down a little bit more. You know you are smart. You know you are capable. People even compliment or praise you or your work. But instead of celebrating and believing people or the positive results that you are physically seeing with your efforts, you instead find yourself worrying that you somehow tricked people into believing that you are good enough. And that's this erratic thought that causes this constant underlying stress of, What if they find out? What if they find out that I'm not who they think I am, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not X enough, whatever that is. Sound familiar? How about any of these? Do you think to yourself, I got lucky or I don't belong here. How about I feel like I'm making it up as I go. I think every success I've had is a fluke. It's hard for me to accept compliments. Even when I do well, I don't think I deserve it. Are you extremely sensitive to even constructive criticism? Do you downplay your own expertise, even in areas where you are actually genuinely very skilled and very confident in, typically? Eek. Yeah can kind of be tough to realize that, you know, you do or you think these things, but awareness is the first step. You don't have to think or do these things. What do you think your mind would be like if you didn't constantly think or do these things? If you didn't apologize for yourself when you actually didn't do something wrong? If you didn't hold yourself to wildly and likely impossibly high standards? If you didn't find the fear of failure crippling. If you didn't avoid expressing confidence because you think people will see it as you're overcompensating for something. Eek. That's a lot going on in that head of yours. How do you have room for anything else? Aren't you tired of feeling this way? Tired of working your ass off for what? So you can still feel terrible about yourself? That's exhausting. And I know it's exhausting because I have been there. Imposter syndrome resonated in my own life as I found this 
need for constant approval from others. For years and years, I looked for validation from others. I needed somebody to tell me that I was doing a good job or that I was right or that I was the best. And do you know what that ultimately did? It gave away my power to other people, letting them dictate whether or not I could be deemed successful or not. And I think it's time for you and I both take your power back. Talked about it last week. Say it out loud. I am ready to take my power back. So let's deep dive even more here. There's actually a few types of imposter syndrome that I'm going to review from Very Well Mind. And I'm actually going to bring in some Enneagram talk, which is that personality test that I use for coaching. We're gonna, I'm going to use that to tie this whole thing up with a big bow. So there are five types of imposter syndrome. Did you know that? Which one are you? We have the perfectionist. You are never satisfied and always feel like your work could be better. You do not focus on your strengths, but instead fixate on your flaws or mistakes. The superhero. You feel inadequate, so you feel compelled to push yourself to work as hard as possible. All gas, no brakes. The expert. You are always trying to learn more and are never satisfied with your level of understanding. Even though you are often highly skilled, you underestimate your own expertise. The natural genius. You set excessively lofty goals for yourself and then feel crushed when you don't succeed on the first try. And the last one, the soloist. You tend to be very individualistic, prefer to work alone. Self-worth often stems from your productivity, so you often reject offers of assistance. You see asking for help as a sign of weakness or incompetence. Boom. Which one are you? And can you be all five (laughs) asking for a friend? (laughs) Definitely some of this hit home for me. But what causes us to be this way? And it's super important to identify the root here because it is the root that you have to focus on in order to get the solutions if you actually want to stop living with imposter syndrome. So listen up and see what root cause speaks to you. Studies have shown that imposter syndrome is connected to early family dynamics, your upbringing, transitioning to new experiences, even gender stereotypes in your personality. So let's talk family upbringing. Imposter syndrome can resonate in adulthood if you came from a family that really valued and stressed achievement Or if you had parents that flipped back and forth between offering praise and being overly critical. Imposter syndrome can resonate in adulthood if your family upbringing had high levels of conflict but low levels of support. Entering into a new role can also trigger imposter syndrome. It's like the stress of starting that new job or that new position, even if it's well-earned, you know, these stresses can often onset imposter syndrome, which is actually interesting to think about. Because imagine this, you go through an entire interview process talking about why you are the perfect person for the job. In fact, you actually write all these things down on paper, all these achievements and all these amazing things about you. You beat out every other candidate who applied for that same position. And then once you get there, 
you're like, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Why did they pick me? Whew. The pressure to succeed in your new role, combined with the lack of experience of doing that exact job before, triggers these feelings of inadequacy. And it's like this immediate switch. Whew. And women in professional settings, especially often ones that are saturated with men, they are in particularly subject to this, according to studies. Personality traits can come in here too. And listen up for some Enneagram talk because there are two traits that can come naturally into your personality that play a role in imposter syndrome, perfectionism and poor self-worth, both of which are related to stemming anxiety. So a few weeks ago, back on episode 17, we talked about the nine personality types of the Enneagram, and they were all grouped into these three triads. So if you're new to the Enneagram, go back. You can listen to that episode. You can uh, even take a free test on my website, letscreateyourfate.com, if you want to. But all the deets are on there about the Enneagram. But these three triads, you have the gut triad, the heart triad, and the head triad. Triads are categorized by these key emotional motivators behind how each group makes decisions. And type 567, which we talked about in episode 17, they make up the head triad, which fear is the key motivator behind making decisions. Types 8, 9, and 1 make up the gut triad, and those types are prone to making decisions out of anger. And here's the kicker. Types two, three, and four make up the heart triad. And the key motivator behind decision-making is shame. These types are especially prone to feelings of poor self-worth and feeling like they don't deserve it. So if you are an Enneagram type two, three, or four, listen up. Let's talk about self-worth. And Enneagram ones and sevens, sit tight because we're going to get to perfectionism for you. So self-worth, why do you deserve to get everything that you want? And if you don't even have an answer, if you shuddered when I said that, if that made you feel uncomfortable, uh, let's talk about that, right? Does it even feel strange to even say the words, I deserve it? And that's not the way it's meant to be. You have to spend time with this. Where does this come from? And there's so many places that this could come from, right? Societal beliefs, again, that family upbringing, old religious viewpoints that are ingrained in your brain at this point. You have to dig those up, flush them out, and get any thought that is not yours outside of your head. Because if you don't, they will stay in there forever. Trust me. So for me, I was raised in a very religious household, and I thought that the only thing I truly deserved, this is real talk, the only thing I truly deserved was an eternity in hell. How do you think that resonates as an adult, right? It took years of work to flush that out. I grew up thinking it was sinful to think that you deserve anything, not to covet what somebody else has, and that it was more noble to not think that you deserve anything at all, and that a simple life was all that you needed, and I'm not knocking religion here. There's some actually very beautiful parts of all religions. But whoa, this thought? You have to be conscious about what thoughts that you are allowing to stay in your mind. Because it can be a dangerous place in there. And here's the kicker. These thoughts that you are not deserving of the life that you want, 
These are some of the biggest stumbling blocks when it comes to manifesting what you want. So law of attraction here, getting something is all about being an energetic match to it, right? Like attracts like. So how can you become a match to something that you don't even think you deserve? How can you really create a life of which you truly don't even think that you're worthy? You can't. And going back to imposter syndrome, when you feel unworthy or that you don't deserve something, positive feedback or any type of reward, it feels like a trick or like a scam. Another trick, thinking that worthiness and entitlement are the same thing. So I'm going to wrap this up. And if this is hitting home for you, definitely go back and check out episode 18 for a whole episode dedicated to this thought exactly. But just know that the greatest trap that you could ever stay in is the one where you believe that worthy and entitled are the same thing. They're not. And your sheer existence, that's what makes you worthy. Period. You are here on this earth for a reason. You are part of this human experience for a reason. And I love this quote from uh, this website. It's called Live Life Made to Order. But they write, part of that experience is stepping into your role as a powerful creator and getting all the stuff that brings you joy and makes you feel purposeful and fulfilled. You deserve that. The fact that you are a living, breathing human being entitles you to all of the best experiences of being a human has to offer. Say it out loud. I deserve my best life ever. Whew. Okay, that was a lot. Big deep breath here. Enneagram ones, sevens, you're up. So let's talk about perfectionism and imposter syndrome as there is a huge correlation between the two. And I'm speaking to Enneagram ones because they are actually known as the perfectionist. And I'm talking to Enneagram sevens because the seven actually integrates into a one, the perfectionist, during times of stress. And sevens actually take on all the unhealthy characteristics of a one. And I should know this because I am a seven and this is very spot on. So in times of stress, sevens take on the unhealthy characteristics of a one, needing everything to be perfect, being fearful of mistakes, being unable to delegate because they don't trust anybody to do it right, thinking that you can't do or say the wrong thing, having trouble asking for help, and even, drumroll please, procrastinating due to your own ridiculously high standards. Yikes. So... If you are a one or a seven or have high amounts of either number in your chart, or even if you don't, you can still struggle with perfectionism. There's this great quote from Henry Ford that I like. He said, failure is the only opportunity to begin again more intelligently. That's pretty good, right? Think about it this way. You make a mistake and you end up smarter. That sounds nice. You're smarter. Now you're not going to make that mistake again. Stop fearing making mistakes because perfection does not exist. Let's all together say this out loud. Perfection does not exist. You believe that, right? So, you know, if we are obsessed with perfection and it doesn't actually exist, why are we all out here chasing unicorns? Chasing perfection isn't realistic 
And often it's counterproductive and actually only makes you feel more like a fraud. You're comparing yourself to this perfect outcome that's impossible to reach. You can't achieve it. I'm a fraud. I'm not saying to not set high standards for yourself and be committed to doing your best, but I am telling you that you absolutely cannot do everything perfectly and that you do not need to be the best at anything, at everything. I mean, at some point you need to take a step back and ask yourself, when is good enough actually good enough? Ask yourself that question again. When is good enough going to be good enough? You have to give yourself grace and you have to allow yourself to be human. Say it out loud. I am a human. It's okay to make mistakes. You have to fight back. You have to challenge all these thoughts and beliefs that you have in your head. You have to get them out. You have to spend time with yourself. Ask yourself these questions. Do I believe I am worthy of love as I am? Must I be perfect for others to approve of me? What core beliefs do I hold about myself? What are my strengths? Here's a question, because if you don't know these answers, how are you going to expect anybody else to know them? So rewind this back if you need to answer these questions. Write them down. Spend time with yourself. Spend time being kind to yourself. Honestly, on a scale of 1 to 10, how kind are you to yourself? How kind have you been to yourself today? You have to identify when you're not being kind to yourself and identify that negative talk and fight back. You have to challenge the thought. The next time you tell yourself, I don't belong here, fight back. Challenge yourself by asking, what steps did I take to actually get here? What qualifications got me here? You have to change the way you talk to yourself, change the way you talk about yourself. In order to create the life that you want, you first have to create the thought. So begin thinking how you want to feel. I want to feel confident. I want to feel like I can learn as I go. I want to take the pressure off myself and not be an expert in a day. I don't want to expect that. Check out episode seven for an entire podcast episode on establishing positive self-talk habits. But essentially, positive self-talk can reduce stress. It reduces anxiety and actually helps you build courage to do things That will bring you even greater rewards in the long run. Affirmations are a great way to fight back to negative thoughts. Y'all know I love my affirmations. So check out my Instagram, my website for a whole list of affirmations for imposter syndrome. But establishing a positive self-talk pattern of repeating affirmations out loud daily. Bonus points daily, out loud, into the mirror. This will allow you to train your brain to proactively get ahead of these negative thoughts that pop up when you feel insecure later. Another way to fight imposter syndrome is to simply get out of your own head and start thinking logically. You have to separate feelings from fact. Likely, you've been operating under these made-up roles in your own head. I can't ask for help. 
still know that I don't know what I'm doing. I need to always know the answer. I can't make a mistake. Who told you this? Did somebody actually tell you this? Ask yourself these questions. Are you human? Are you allowed to have an off day? Are you allowed to ask for assistance? Become consciously aware of your internal dialogue and then change it. Instead of thinking, wait until they find out that I have no idea what I'm doing. What can you tell yourself instead using logic? Everyone who starts something new does feel a little nervous in the beginning. I'm allowed to be new at something. I'm allowed to ask for the help that will allow me to grow. Once you start looking for these solutions and logical reasons to relieve pressure, I promise you will find them. Your mind is very powerful. And guess what? You find what you look for. Seriously, how often do you find what you look for? You want to look for a reason why you're not qualified for something? You'll find it. You want to look for an excuse not to ask for help? Boom, there it is. Look for what you want and not for what you don't want. It really is that simple. If you want assistance, look for it. Who can help you? You likely have multiple people who can help you or whose literal job is to help you. Be logical and get out of your own head and use your resources. Track your success. I love this one. Write down what you're actually doing well, what you've brought to the table. List out your accomplishments. You can actually even save texts or emails from people praising you or uh, ones that are celebrating your accomplishments or thanking you for the work that you've done or for the value that you've added to their lives. Seriously, save it in a folder on your computer or your phone. And when you're feeling down about yourself, look at it. It sounds weird, but I've actually recommended this in coaching and it's a game changer. If you want yourself to feel good, you need to think about the things you feel good about, right? If you haven't identified them, how can you think about them? Uh, guys, it's it's simple. It is not easy, but I promise you it is this simple. Write down your own list of things you are proud of and things that you like about yourself. And then think about them and let them resonate emotionally. You have to feel good. You have to feel that good feeling emotions. And this helps you get a realistic picture of your value and stop constantly putting yourself down. And here's a good one. I love this one. When you do do things that you are proud of, celebrate it, reward yourself, pat yourself on the back, throw a party, whatever it looks like, tie some type of small celebration to your accomplishments. Why is this so important? Because now you have tied a positive memory to the accomplishment and you'll remember it the next time you're feeling down on yourself. So these are eight ways to actually overcome imposter syndrome. One, know your self-worth. Two, stop chasing perfection. Three, challenge your thoughts. Four, be kind to yourself. Five, practice affirmations and positive self-talk. Six, separate feeling from fact. Seven, track your success. Eight, celebrate it. And at the end of the day, if you want to stop feeling like an imposter, 
you have to stop thinking like an imposter. Stop thinking like somebody who you don't want to be. Who do you want to be? Visualize this person. Start thinking like that person. Get crystal clear on who that person is and start taking steps to become that person consistently. Start doing things that that person does in this future version of yourself. That's the only person who you compare yourself to. That's it. And as long as you know that you are trying your absolute best to become that person, to be that future version of yourself, then truly you are not an imposter in your own life. I believe that you can create your life and I do believe that you can create your fate. To connect with more thoughts and inspo, you can follow me on Instagram at Let's Create Your Fate or online at letscreateyourfate.com. And if you love this episode, please share it with somebody who you think might be struggling with imposter syndrome. Like us, review us, uh, leave comments, subscribe, all the things. That would help so very, very much for us to grow. So that's all I got for you today. But if I can leave you with just one thing, it is this. Expect good things. Always. And they will happen. Thanks for joining me today. And I'll talk to you all soon.